following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. So glad to be a part of the Evangelical Free Church. A lot of people ask, how are we to survive in the world that we have in our day and age? And that is with sound doctrine. Sound doctrine uh, is so important to us. So uh, we look to God's Word this morning. If you would, open up your Bibles or electronic device that has a Bible on it. We are in the book of 1 Thessalonians, a New Testament book on the right-hand side of your Bible. And uh, we are going to be in chapter 4, and we're going to look at just a few verses, verse 13 through 18. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, addresses and answers a question that this little church was asking in regards to the death of their loved ones. So Paul is our author. He writes with a young man named Timothy and another missionary named Silas. And this church is dealing with a lot of persecution, problems, and pain because of the gospel that they received. What is the gospel? Uh, We can't assume that anybody knows what that is, so we need to clarify and define it. The gospel is the good news that Christ came 2,023 years ago, give or take a few years. Um, He died, and then he rose again, and he ascended to the right hand of God. He is ruling and reigning to this day, and he will, we believe, as his word says, because all the promises of God come true, he will come back again. And we wonder when. And the Bible says, soon. Uh, We were at a conference in Tennessee, and uh, Matt and Jessica drove uh, back, and I kept asking, are we there yet? And uh, Matt said, soon, and Jessica said, 10 minutes. Um, So I guess that's the answer. So Jesus will be back in 10 minutes. (laughs) Um, When we look at this passage of Scripture, this is encouraging to me. And this should be encouraging to you. These 12 verses lay a foundation for comfort in regards to the eternal fate that we have as believers. When we look at death, we realize that death is not the end. Death is simply just a comma for us as believers because we who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior will be with him forever, it says in God's word. And we cling to that. That is our blessed Hope, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19 says, If our hope is in Christ, and if it is only for this life, then we are to be more pitied than anyone in the world. But we know our hope is for eternity. And so 1 Thessalonians talks about this coming of the Lord, and we would ask this morning, what is the coming of the Lord? So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Let's look at that together. Big numbers are going to be the chapters. Smaller numbers are going to be the verses. Verse 13 says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters. Now Paul writes this to the church of Thessalonica, but it extends beyond Thessalonica and it lands in our laps this morning. And we are writing to you about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have any hope. 
verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. I think Paul probably stopped at that point and praised the Lord for those words. Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. <laughs> Let's stop there. Peter says that some of Paul's words are hard to understand. And if you agree with that, would you just say amen? <laughs> Paul taught a lot about the future. And he emphasized how salvation in Christ carried with it the promise of eternal life. Just as Christ died, rose, and ascended, he will one day return. Now, Paul's already said this. For those of you who are maybe this is your first Sunday here at Community Gospel, we've been unpacking this whole little book of 1 Thessalonians. And if you go back into 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul says, For what is our hope or our joy or our crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? And he's talking about he will be excited about what this church has done and what this church is. And he says, is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. You're good, gospel, God-fearing children. But notice he says, at his second coming. He's already hinted on it. Now it's possible, Paul addresses this topic here, as he may have had to leave Thessalonian, the Thessalonians abruptly before he covered this topic. And so some people want to debate, like, when does Jesus come back? Actually, there's a lot of good books out of print right now, and they say exactly when Jesus will come back again. So you could go into the clearance section, and you can see those. Some people said 1980-something. Some people said 1990-something. I'm sure somebody had a claim about the 2000s, and here we are. Does that mean that God's promise isn't true? No. Well, the time and the date of, second, of the second coming of Christ is unknown, the key is, don't miss this church, this is our hope. This is our hope. Verse 13. It is our hope in two things. It is our hope, first and foremost, in death. Now notice Paul says in verse 13, we do not want you to be uninformed. That's sometimes translated, we don't want you to be ignorant. God does not want you to be ignorant on the things of him. He loves for you to learn and to grow. Uh, one of my kids asked me one time, when do we get to be done with school? I said, never. You're called to be a lifelong learner in regards to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, when Paul says this phrase, he uses it several times, not just in 1 Thessalonians, but he uses it all over his other letters. Romans 1, for example, Romans 11, 1 Corinthians 10, and 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, we don't want you to be ignorant. Paul doesn't want the Thessalonian believers to feel guilty about their lack of knowledge. You should never, as a believer, feel guilty about your lack of knowledge. It should be the catalyst to push you even further into the text. Paul says, I want you to have faith and trust in those who fell asleep. Now, that's a believer who has died. He wants them to, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, never lose hope. Look at verse 3 of chapter 1. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness in hope. Now the word sleep for death is common. It comes up all the time in the New Testament text. In Mark chapter 5, we see it. Uh, we see it in John chapter 11. 
And this isn't sleep of the soul. Now, I'm going to say some doctrinal things here that's going to be hard for you to digest. That's okay. Just hang on. Paul talks about a soul sleep in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. That's a, another sermon for another day. <laughs> here, he talks about being uh, the sleep of the body on earth until it is resurrected or changed into a glorious body that is reunited with the soul. The same sleep that he talks about here is the same one in 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Corinthians 5. Now stay with me. Because the point is, when we know we have hope in death, we do not grieve the way that other people grieve. Hope, if you want to circle that, is a confident expectation or anticipation of something future and beneficial. Hope is when we have trials in this world and we know that Christ stands behind us, before us, beside us, and dwells within us. Hope is what we have as believers. If we have no hope, we are to be pitied the most. And so Paul says, this is your assurance. This is your trust. This is your confidence. And while we are sad for the loss of believers, Jesus was, John chapter 11, the most memorized little kid verse in all of humanity. Jesus wept. We don't grieve like unbelievers because we have hope. And so our hope is anchored in Christ. Verse 14, there are two reasons why believers don't grieve like unbelievers. Number one, our revelation that we have from God, that is in his word. Jesus died and rose again. There is evidence for the death and resurrection of Christ, and we don't have time to go into all that. But number two, it is our glorious future with Christ. Look at 14, it says, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So Jesus' death and resurrection is a historical fact. 1 Corinthians says there were early eyewitness testimonies. We have an empty tomb in John chapter 20. And we have the disciples' transformation, the growth of Christianity. And don't miss this. The resurrection of Christ is also your testimony. You give testimony to the fact that there is hope in Christ. The prophecy of the rapture is as sure to be fulfilled as the prophecies of Christ's death and resurrection. Now, there's a song that I just cherish. It's called Christ, Our Hope in Life and Death. And maybe we'll sing it today. Who knows? But it says this. No? There we go. All right. And we sing this because it's our anthem. Unto the grave, what shall we sing? Now, a lot of times we ask ourselves, why do we sing? The Bible commands us over 300 times to sing. Thank God it does not say to sing in tune. What do we sing? We sing, Christ he lives, Christ he lives. And what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with him. And there we rise to meet the Lord. Sin and death will be destroyed and we will feast. Thank God we eat in heaven with endless joy because Christ is ours forevermore. It goes on and on and on and on. So to find comfort in this life, 
We must know how we can face death. You can face death by faith in Christ alone. Hope only comes in trusting Christ who's died to take the curse of death and who's crushed the power of death by his resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul declares to the church of Corinth, Christ has been raised from the dead. And we ask ourselves all the time, why do I have to hear this over and over and over again? Because you forget. Because we forget. This is the statement that transforms how we live each day. When you have a trial tomorrow or even this afternoon, when you have a tribulation that comes in a few moments, you speak into that Christ has been raised from the dead. And this is my confidence to carry on. So now and forever we confess, I am not my own, but I belong, body and soul, in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He is ours forevermore. Some people say, I don't know if I can go to heaven and and, uh, worship Jesus forever. That sounds boring. You need to make Christ yours forevermore here on earth so that it is an extension forevermore. Verse 15, so the coming of the Lord is our hope. Verse 15, for this we declared to you, now I love it, Paul says, we didn't just like whisper it softly, we declared to you by a word from the Lord that we are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud cry of command, with the voice of an archangel. This is like, this is like sci-fi stuff. And with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and you will have all of your dreams of flying fulfilled. I don't know why everybody wants to fly, but maybe it's biblical. And so we will, by the way, what I just said was not in the text. It says, and so we will always be with the Lord. So if the coming of Christ is our hope, it's also glorious. In verse 15, Paul says, the word of the Lord came to me from Christ himself, perhaps a direct revelation we don't know, but it I love the New Living Translation of the Bible. I just, it just reads so well. The New Living Translation says, of verse 15, We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. In other words, Paul says, The bodies of believers who are asleep, dead, will be resurrected immediately before believers are taken. Say, whoa. <laughs> And it is clear that Paul believed that he and the Thessalonians might be alive when Christ returned and the rapture was imminent. So it could take place at any moment. He told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 7, the time is short. He told the Philippian church that the Lord is near. And he says, this is what's going to happen. Look at verse 16. He says, it will be glorious in regards to the fact that we hear the voice of God. At the present moment, where is Jesus? Well, Jesus sits At the right hand of God in heaven. That's Romans 8, Ephesians 1, Colossians 3, Hebrews 1. And he will leave this position and do three things based off of verse 16. Number one, he will descend from heaven. That is the sky 
to the earth. That's a fulfillment of his promise in Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Number two, with a cry of command or a shout accompanied with the voice of an archangel. Which one? I don't know. But that's amazing. Number three, at the sound of a trumpet of God. If God was in band, he would play the trumpet. (laughs) These are three separate, almost simultaneous announcements, all proclaiming Christ's return. You should have your ear to the ground for these things always. At any moment, they could happen. And Paul says, in verse 16, the dead in Christ will rise first. That is, uh, the believers of this dispensation. Now, I just gave away that I'm a dispensationalist, all right? But what we mean by dispensation is just a, 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 a chunk of time, okay? If we could chunk up these times, we would see that there are, there are uh, specific times in regards to history. And in this dispensation, on this side of the cross, we would see that Old Testament saints will be raised at the end of the Great Tribulation based on Daniel 12. Now you're thinking to yourself, whoa, Pastor Jordan, hold on a second. Old Testament people got saved? Yes. Old Testament people pointed to Christ to come. New Testament people point back to Christ who came. And here we see in Christ, verse 16, refers exclusively to the church age. The saints as the bodies of the dead in Christ will rise before the living believers are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's verse 17. Wait. How God will raise bodies of people who are burned to death or buried at sea? That's a good question. That's what the little kids ask, right? So little kids always ask the question that nobody wants to ask. They say, wait, hold, hold on a second. What about that fire? Well, remember, Paul stressed that this revelation came from Christ himself and wanted the Thessalonians believers and us today to be certain that the living God who created the universe out of nothing with a word, is fully able to reassemble a decayed body of all of his saints in a moment of time. So just as maybe this world has caused one to become multiple little pieces, he can still put those pieces back together. And you're thinking, that's your opinion. No, that's 1 Corinthians 15. Because when God speaks, awesome things happen. Now, keep this in context, because a lot of people, they like to like kind of dis, dis, dissect this, and they look at this, and they go, ooh, I don't know if you've got all your timeline right. Well, you're missing the point, because Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians. He's saying, the glorious voice of God will come, and in that glorious voice will come his glorious presence, verse 17. After the bodies of the dead believers in Christ have been raised, those who are still alive and have been left behind momentarily, he says, verse 17, will be caught up together, those who have fallen asleep, with those who have fallen asleep, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air where we will be with the Lord always. And we believe that only a moment will separate the resurrection of the dead and the conversion of the living. And there we will be in the glorious presence of God. A grand reunion in the sky. Now, the Latin word for caught up is the word rapturo, which is where we get our word rapture, when believers are caught up to meet Christ in the clouds. That's Acts chapter 1, verse 9. All events that are described here, if you want to study them further, parallel 1 Corinthians 15. So if you're like, hey, I wish Paul would give me a little bit more background. He did. It's in 1 Corinthians 15. And they differ significantly from those that will accompany Christ's return to the earth to set up his earthly kingdom, for those of you who know Revelation. 
This is different than the kingdom that is set up in Revelation 19, verse 11. Now, some of you are lost. And what we need to cling to and focus on here is being united with Christ forever. Wrap your mind around the concept. This is our blessed hope that we are caught up in the clouds. If our hope in Christ is only for this life, we should be pitied more than anyone in the world, but it's not. We have hope in Christ. How glorious to know the Lord will take those who have fallen asleep. I love that wording, by the way. If I die on this earth and my funeral is at Community Gospel Church, say, Jordan is asleep. (laughs) He'll wake up again soon. (laughs) And that the living believers will be placed in his presence that he is preparing for us. Well, believers often disagree about all the events that I just said. And leading up to Christ's return, sometimes I think we have too much time on our hands. There's a lot of disagreements here about what will happen. But there's five truths that we agree on, no matter what your stance is. Number one, we believe that Christ will return visibly. We cling to that. And he will not just come back quietly. Jesus' first advent, he came uh, in bodily form, and it was quiet, away in a manger, right? Some people don't think Jesus cried. I think he did. And it was a soft cry. Now, at the end, we have a loud cry. Number two, there will be an unmistakable cry, not just from Christ, but also from angelic realms. Now, remember, we studied uh, the first couple of chapters of First and Second Thessalonians. We've been in other places in the Bible. We believe with all of our heart that the angels long to be in worship with God like we're in worship with him. They look upon our worship service and they say, just wait. Number three, we believe there will be a trumpet fanfare that has never been heard before. Everybody agrees on this in regards to biblical scholars. In regards to the coming of Christ. Number four, believers in Christ who are dead will rise from their grave. And number five, believers who are alive will be caught up in the clouds to meet Christ. What a glorious day that will be. What a day of rejoicing that will be. If you were a Thessalonian and you were reading that, you would have thought, let's go on living for the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing that this is going to happen soon. And remember, the place where we will be as believers is not as important as the person whom we will be with. That is Jesus. Commentator Finley once said, the entire content and worth of heaven, the entire blessedness of life eternal is for Paul embraced in one thought of being united with Jesus, his Savior and Lord. He longs for this. He wants to be with Christ. This church is so encouraging. That one day there will be a great rejoicing. Verse 18. Therefore, what am I supposed to do with this? Okay, Paul, that's great theology. But what am I supposed to do with? Encourage one another with these words. You have crisis in your life. The day of the Lord comes. You have pain and problems in marriage and in relationships and with work and jobs. This is just a 
There will come a day of great rejoicing. This is so encouraging. The logical and practical result for the Thessalonians, knowing about the glorious coming of the Lord, was to simply encourage or comfort one another with these words. When you are in a situation or circumstance with somebody who's dealing with immense amount of pain and you know they're a believer, what are you supposed to say? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Let's start here. And let's read all the way down to 18. That's encouraging. The Thessalonians didn't need to continue to worry about their spiritual state or those who had fallen asleep. Being dead or alive at the return of Christ would make no difference, for Christ would bring all of his people together to be with him forever. Now, this echoes the promise in Titus chapter 2, verse 13. It says, we are instructed, knowing about this glorious, encouraging word from God, to remove godless living and sinful pleasures from our life. We are to turn, that's 180 degrees, and we should live in this evil world with wisdom and righteousness and devotion to God. How now do we live in light of these things that Paul has said? How are we supposed to carry out and conduct ourselves with what Paul has said? We look forward with hope to the wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. You struggle with sin because your eyes are down instead of up. You struggle with concern and worry because your eyes are down instead of up. You never see a person running a race with their eyes down at their shoes. You see them focused on the goal. And Paul says we run this race that is marked out for us. Not only do believers not grieve like unbelievers, but we follow Christ and look forward eagerly to that great day, the coming of the Lord. We're going to talk about this a little bit more next week. This is the great hope of the church, to see the Lord, be united with him forever. It is one that every believer in this age should anticipate and tell others about. Titus 2 says, this is our blessed hope with respect to the dead in Christ as well as for the living. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Why do we forget I'm reminded of little kids who, when you tell them, we're going to go on vacation in two weeks. They have no idea of how long two weeks is. So what do they do? They come up to you and they say, has it been two weeks yet? It's been a day. And they come to you the next day. How about now? Are we leaving now? Let me show you a calendar. Marked out the days, right? They could care less about the calendar. They just want to be, are we leaving yet? Are we leaving now? Can we go now? Can we go now? That's how believers should live their life. John Owen says, we cannot enjoy peace in this world unless we are ready to yield to the will of God in respect to death. Our times are in his hand, at his sovereign disposal. We must accept that that is best. So we take hope of the blessed hope that has been set before us. And we cling to this. Because let me tell you something, if you are here today and you're experiencing grief or sorrow or pain or loss or whatever the case may be, you should be encouraged with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. That this is our hope. This is the gospel truth. This is what happens when Christ returns. This is the anchor for our souls. We're almost home.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to eagerly anticipate our glorious reunion with Christ, throwing off the things of this world, clinging to the truths of Scripture. We renounce ungodliness. We ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or imagine. Your saints find themselves in pain. And we look to this world sometimes for answers and we ask for your forgiveness as the truth is right before our eyes. May our blessed hope that is Christ be the place in which our eyes are fixed. This week when we struggle with sin and temptation. This week when we struggle with gossip. When we struggle with wanting our own ways. When we struggle with putting things above our relationship with you. Our idols is the old song we cast down. God, realign our priorities with your kingdom values. Help us to invest in that which has eternal significance. And may we love one another and encourage one another with these words. May we even tell these words to non-believers this week. May we whisper the gospel truth in their ear and tell them that there is a day that is coming. A day of great rejoicing because we know if we do not have you, then we are without hope. And those without hope are dead forever. God, we ask that you would impress the truths of Scripture on our heart today. Comfort us with these words so that we can go forth from this place and live in the readiness for the glorious day of Christ's second coming. It is in your name, the name of Jesus, our risen Savior, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.